ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you're letting us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Wednesday, you know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the Attendant Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything because it's all in canon. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and I'm joined by Phil. Hello, everybody. I hope you're not melting out there because it's freaking hot here. Yes. <laughs> And Tyler. If my math is correct, you guys can't tell that there is a fan directly underneath my desk just blowing up. So I am not baking off of my PC. It's one of those days. It's so hot in my apartment. (laughs) I can imagine. It's so hot, Tyler needs the ball shower. (laughs) I mean, look. The, the audience can't see this. Boris and Phil can see that I am just in, like, a tank top. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hot. Yeah, it's Which crazy. Which you for, the, for being in the hot tub right now. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It's Wednesday. That means that today is the everything to do about reviews. We're going to be reviewing. We're going to be talking about what we're watching, what we're playing, what we're reading, what we're doing. Almost said something else that could have gotten us canceled, but not going to. <laughs> it's just one of those days, guys. Yeah. All right. So one of the topics, before we get started, one of the topics that we were going to talk about on Sunday, but we kind of ran out of time, kind of fits into today's episode. So we're going to talk about it quickly today before we get into the reviews and that is spoilers we are living in a world where spoilers everything needs to be spoiled apparently um you know and and it's it's part of it i'm assuming would have a lot to do with you know the news cycle 24-hour news you gotta pump out content it's all about content that's why there's you know it just you get articles about anything and everything but one of the things that i'm noticing more and more is the amount of spoilers happening especially when you take a look at you know the the comic movies uh you know for example spider-man far from home we know that all the spider-men are going to be there we know that you know dr octopus is going to be there we know like what what happened to the good old days of going to a movie and being surprised i feel like those things are things of the past you know if we were living back in the 80s the early 80s we probably would have known that darth vader was luke's father you know things like that i feel like we're not you know there's no surprise there's nothing that happens that shocks us that gets us i feel like everything is being spoiled whether it be be it be because of the source material or just because of, you know, studio leaks or leaks in general or announcements. 
And, you know, I guess it's a two-pronged question. Number one, how do you feel about that? And number two, do you think it, it, it ruins your enjoyment of watching something, knowing so much about it? Tyler, what do you think? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great thing to talk about. I do want to back up for a second, and I do want to address the elephant in the room of, like, this isn't inadvertent. Um, the YouTube space of the, the reviewer slash speculator slash theorizing space is 100% the thing that at least Marvel and DC are planning for. Yeah. And they are, that's like, you know, they are making sure to include certain things in their trailers so they, people will talk about it and get them a fun, bunch of free publicity. Um, I mean, on that, it doesn't bother me, but also I have found that I think that us three, specifically, and probably more in general, anyone listening to this show probably is the people who are noticing it being ruined versus the people outside of our space who yeah. do not pay attention to any of this. Yes. Because there's going to be a bunch of people who they have no idea. They have no what I talked to people at the store and I'm like, oh, have you heard the thing about the Spider-Man movie? And they go, what thing about the Spider-Man movie? And I'm like, the, uh-oh, the thing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, what it's about? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, so you come to a comic book store regularly and you don't know this. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's just a subset of us who are really, really into it. Yep, I agree there. Um, and I have to refer to kind of like my wrestling show and all that. Because like, you know, wrestling fans are fickle, even more fickle than than than, than comic people and, and whatnot. And, you know, one of the things that I always have to remind myself is that something that WWE, AEW does, sometimes it's not necessarily for us, the people in the know, the people who understand how the business works, the people who know the 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 backstage stuff, right? So, oftentimes they might make a decision that we don't like, but you know the show isn't being written for us. It's for the general audience, the general person who doesn't give a shit about the news, who doesn't give a shit when a contract is ending, when a, a you know a person is jumping ship or you know starting out soon. It's all new. It's all new to them, right? So I, I do agree with you there that it's a small subset of us who kind of know what's up. Well, I even care to know or care to right? know. Like, I I think that one of the things that we don't always appreciate as as a great example is how do people actually outside of like the people who want to know know that there was going to be a Star Wars Rangers show? Yeah, like. I bet a lot of people don't realize that was canceled. Exactly. Well, exactly. it's shelved, right? But yeah, it, it's... What, that was what a, it, more of a rumor, spoiler, I guess. I, there's so many different levels to this, right? Like, the, What it was is no longer what it's going to be. How about that? Yeah, but we never really had an idea what it was going to be. That, For me, a spoiler, I think in the comic book industry, it happens quite a bit to those movies because I think most read comic book readers kind of have experienced most of what they're retreading in the movies in some form. Sure. So I don't know if that disarms people when they do want to let out a spoiler, but I also witnessed stuff with the force awakens where people were pulling out stickers on the back of their car that says 
Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens. Like, just so you couldn't ignore it when you're on the street and they somehow ruin the movie for you. That kind of over-the-top stuff, I'm not a big fan of. I also think, like, Marvel and DC play into it because mm-hmm. it creates bigger box office weekends when everyone's trying to not spoil it for themselves. Mm-hmm. It causes that crush. I think there's many things that the industry has noticed and adapted to, like you say, putting stuff in the trailers, things like that, so that they can maybe make fans think that something's going to happen and then switch it up with a different event to make it its own thing. There's so many multifaceted aspects to this, and you are right. We notice it. Maybe the majority of people don't, but I have to be really careful on Bad Batch Fridays about not going on Twitter because I just don't want to be ruined, right? Like... Disney are pretty good at releasing a poster uh, typically on the Sunday or the Monday. But I had no idea that, spoiler, Fennec Shand was in this week's episode until I accidentally went on Twitter. And then that rearranged my entire Friday night because I'm like, well, I want to go back on social media. Now I have no choice. I can't avoid this episode. I have to go get it done. So... I, it's an interesting thing. I think that it's also part and parcel of the world of Netflix and streaming, where they release an entire season at once, and then we play into it, right? The race is on to talk about it. <laughs> and you want to be pertinent with your analysis. You want to be you want to maintain a proximity to the analysis so that you can engage that geekdom. But I, I do really appreciate what Disney Plus do by stretching out their episodes to a weekly kind of thing i know it stretches out subscriptions but i really do i've come to appreciate it because i have no self-control jupiter's legacy was two nights of binging for me and i tried to drag it yeah yeah i agree you know um it's you know and and i think that it's kind of two-pronged as well because you have studios making announcements for example and again it's wednesday things are going to be spoiled so Beware, you know, um, you have studios talking openly about like, you know, the Flashpoint movie with Michael Keaton, you know, and things like that, you know, there's <laughs> studio announcements, which, 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 you know, can build hype. But I feel like, you know, it's something like that 20 years ago would never have been announced, right? Like that's something that y- they would have teased in such a way that you kind of had a feeling, but they're not going to flat out just say, look, Michael Keaton's coming back. Um, and then there's, there's that, that, that human element, you know, which is kind of what Phil is saying. And that's the douchebag fan. Like I watched it before you, I need to be cool. You know, it's the people who go on a message board and type first. Yeah. I mean, I, I count those people as a separate beast entirely. Cause it's not yeah. about, it's not about a love of the thing. It's about ruining it for other people. And that's just like a separate yeah, that's a, exactly. just a terrible person who's just trying to justify their life choices. Yeah, um, we hate those people. Like we all no, do. No, hundred percent. It's a mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean that's how you get banned from my store. Um, I do want to follow a quick, like, theory on this, which is this is actually starting to get to this point where it reminds me of how RPGs are marketed. Mm-hmm. So, like pen and paper RPGs, you have to get someone to run the game. Like you have to have one person in each friend group who's a lot more invested. 
and it's starting to seem like that for the big superhero movies, right? Because I think part of them being like, Michael Ke- we're doing Flashpoint, Michael Keaton's going to be back. And I know that's like, my mom and sister will go see that movie, but they have no idea what any of that means. Yeah. They don't know at all. And they've seen all, like, they've seen the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I, I, and they, they're counting on people like us to go to their parents and be like, ah, you have to see this. Yeah. Which is the running like hermit, the arms flailing. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Like they are kind of using us, you know, Uh as part of their marketing tool. We're going to talk about it. We're going to, you know, we're going to freak out about stuff. Like you said, arms flailing um, about this stuff. We're going to get people hyped for this stuff. So they're, you know, we're we're part of the, 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 the system. We're part of the machine as well, right? So... I think that that's for sure something that we have to remember. I also think that social media plays a big part of this now. Whereas, let's say you brought Michael Keaton in. It's a different time, all right? So let's say he was, you know, doing Batman a lot earlier and you're filming the Flashpoint in the 80s or the early 90s. And social media just isn't there, right? Then you take him in, you sign him to a contract, and you go, you let the movie do the surprise. But now it seems like there's leaks of reports and then eventually the studio can't lie because if you lie to people, they fear that repercussion. So then they confirm, yes, Michael Keaton signed on to do Flashpoint. And now we have to release a whole thing that, oh, Flashpoint is going to have these multi-universes or you know what I mean? Like they, they have to come out and, and now they're leaning on outlets to sell the movie, just like you're saying. I don't think that that was a dynamic back in the day because they didn't have these little spoilers that got leaked out either by people around the industry or people even in the movies. Like, I could totally see Michael Keaton being on his own social and saying, really excited to be back in the DC universe. And then, what does that mean? Right? It's it's such an easy thing to trip up now. Yeah, like, let's take a look at Mandalorian Season 2, right? Like, I know a lot of people that were kind of mixed bag about the whole spoiler thing because before the season or as the season started filming, you know, Disney started saying so-and-so has been cast as this character, right? So you kind of, it it, it took away a little bit, but at the same time, I think it added a whole new element of, of, um, you know, curiosity for how things are going to actually play out. So it's kind of like this weird game that studios are playing, like giving us enough information to hang ourselves with. But, you know, I think Mandalorian season two, especially the last episode before Luke shows up, you know, it's it's kind of like we knew something big was going to happen, but we weren't sure exactly what it would be. <laughs> and then even look at WandaVision with Paul Bethany kind of linking to something like the Mandalorian and it's just him as yeah. Yeah. white mission. You know what I mean? Like this is that was them playing it on the other side too, right? Yeah. And and they the, have to the at game this goes point. on with Disney. Yeah. The game goes on. Like the game is afoot. Yep. Anything else had, Tyler? I was gonna say, and then like I, I, I my immediate response was to buy right back into it again and be like, I mean there's the rumor now that actually Stephen Strange had a cameo. Yes. And that got cut, and Paul Bettany didn't know, and it's like, that's how they get us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love it. All right, guys. I think it's time to move on and talk about shit we did, shit we watched, shit we read. And I think we're going to start yeah. with 
what we read. Um, Phil, you've been playing catch-up, it seems, on the comics world. I know you finally got yourself Jupiter's Legacy. What else? What have you been reading? Jupiter's Legacy, that, that's been a little bit jarring to me. I guess I wasn't <laughs> expecting the art style. Welcome and to as well the, the Miller content. world. Yeah, and as oh, well, the, the content is like right off on tangents from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. So I was expecting a little more after seeing the show, a little bit more of a cohesive presentation on the comic front. And wow, does it ever not have that? <laughs> so yeah. um, that was well played. Thank you. <laughs> Look. <laughs> And I say this without any ounce of hatred towards Millar or his fans, but <laughs> Millar-based movies and television is nothing like the stuff it's from. Usually. Yeah, exactly. That source material is like, we vaguely based it on this. Yep. Yep. Well, exactly. that, that was $53 of my money. I won't get back. <laughs> I mean, try reading the Wanted comic. Oh, and I'm being like, now. I think Mark Millar is really trying to justify sexual assault in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yep. Oh, I he's kind really of warned Phil. Okay. I told yeah, him. Yeah, you did. I told him. Let me know what you think, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I cracked open volume one of the graphic novel. And read like the first step, the first issue, and I'm like, "What the hell did I just read?" <laughs> like, it was all about something that barely even got noticed in the movie about yep. a homosexual relationship. Yep. And I'm like, "That's cool." Like, mm-hmm. I, honestly, I don't have a problem with the content. Really, the artwork was a little bit different for me. I was I wasn't expecting it to be so sparse, but it has its own style. I'm sure that the charm will rub off on me and and you know like i i rarely find that there's a comic book if i get into it that i don't start adapting to whatever choices it makes yeah so you know i i'm i'm looking forward to this wednesday getting my hands on alien number three like i actually enjoy what marvel's doing with that franchise um it's just different and i don't know why i like i hate horror but i'm okay with sci-fi horror but that's life so i you know that's been the majority of my occupation on my eyeballs, but I did happen to sneak in, um, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, Ghost in the Shell, the original mangas. I bought them all. Nice. Digitally. And I yeah, have them in reading. paper form, but I wanted them in digital form because mm-hmm. like I, my, my one tablet has become the comic tablet. Yeah. It's sole purpose in life is to do that. So <laughs> Solid. Nice. Yeah, I got a lot of reading to do, guys. Like, honestly, comics are somewhat exhausting, especially when you know just the little divots in the road. You don't necessarily know the journey it's going to go on, but you know enough to know a little bit about what you're reading about. It's very bizarre from my perspective right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tyler, anything on the reading front? Oh my god. So there's a comic that came out recently called The Good Asian. Um, by Image. I think it's a five-issue miniseries. Yep. It's it's one of the best comics I've ever read after just the first issue. Yeah. Wow. It's obscenely good. Um it's a it's a film noir 
take on World War II-ish era L.A. Yep. And it's just, it's so brutal and uncompromising and just like, it's it's film noir style story at its best. And yeah. It's phenomenal. It, it reminds me of classic uh, Ed Brubaker. Oh, yeah. Early, yeah. Classic Brubaker. I mean, it's reminding me of Dashiell Hammond, which is like, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I really, really like it. Uh, it takes place, I, you know, 1930s Chinatown, L.A., uh, called The Good Asian. Really freaking good. Like, it's so freaking good. Oh, and the ending to that first issue? Like, there's a phenomenon I find in a decent number of, of comic single issues of someone is trying to hit their page count. And <laughs> you get some filler sometimes. And it's especially noticeable in, in superhero-type comics of, like, sometimes you're like, well, I have to set up next week, and next week's the big week. So I, I know the, ne- the 24 pages for next week, but, like, I only have 22 pages this week. So you end up with, like, a page here or there. Like, that's just like, oh, this is not as necessary. And there's not a wasted iota of space in Good Age. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Might have to check that out. Yeah. And then it- um, I'm... I'm almost done Project Hail Mary, Hail Mary Project, something like that, by Andrew Weir. Andrew Weir? The same guy who did The Martian. Yeah. Um, and it's very obvious this is the same man who did The Martian. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got a writing style, and he's got some stuff he does really well. Yeah. If you liked The, you liked the Martian. I thought The Martian was a great novel. Well, I, I did too, but, like, he has a style, and it's not going to be for everyone. Like, my wife yeah. tried it, and she's like, I will watch the movie. I can't <laughs> I, I, his style. I really liked his writing style. It didn't yeah. put me off at all, but I guess it was a lot of science and a lot of yeah. facts, right? Yeah, like, he, yeah. He can be very dry at times, and his humor is very, let's take a dry, ryish humor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Hail Mary Project is really good, and goddammit, that ending. Like, Martian, if Martian made you cry. This is going to destroy you. Ooh, there's oh. there's a couple of emotional twists and turns in it that it's like, oh, you're getting better as a writer. So honestly, every single one of his books, I think, is reading at this point. Mm. Very nice. Interesting. Yeah. Very oh. nice. Anything else you want to call that's, out? I that's that's all I'm reading lately. All right, so I have kind of shied away from, like, you know, Marvel DC. I tend to do that every few months and really get into the creator-owned. So there's two books I want to call out, um, both single issues right now, both early on. The first one is from Boom Studios, which has been on a roll, in my opinion. Um, It's called The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. It's a good one. It's a really good one. We sold out. Really? Damn. Now we sold out like instantly. Yeah. I, uh, um, do you remember the image comic uh, Wicked and Divine? Yeah. yeah. People, people, people. We gotta, gotta build it up. That's um, fair. Anyways. Yeah, that's so, fair. So, so yeah. Classic, so, delightful. Yeah, it's it's a good read. Like, I really, I really, mm-hmm. really, really enjoy this. Like, there's a lot of existential questions that is asked in this comic it's really well done only two issues in from boom studios 
The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. I really like it a lot. And then the other one that I'm reading right now is... Um, what's it called? Uh, Scout's Honor. From Aftershock Comics. They're only up to issue five. Um, and it's basically after nuclear apocalypse, this is a new society. So it's kind of like, you know, what's going on here? Um, and it's kind of just like, it's got elements of why the last man and stuff like that. You know, survivalism and and, and, and it's, it's it's pretty easy read. Doesn't ask the hard questions, but it's just a well done book. Aftershock Comics, not a huge publisher, somewhat new-ish. Um, and there are only five issues in. Yeah. yeah. It's bizarre. We don't, we sell no Aftershock stuff, so we don't even stock most of it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's got, they've got their followers and I've, I've read some of it and loved it, but they're like, st- I think they're still figuring out their niche. They are. They are. Um, you know, I think a lot of big name creators kind of did a couple books for them and then they went through some weird stuff, but, I'm I'm noticing that the level of content, like the actual, is it good versus not good, is actually I'm really enjoying some of their stuff again. <laughs> but yeah, and um, just like that, I um, redeemed my Audible credit that I got last night for Hail Mary. <laughs> so I am doing the, I am doing the Audible as well, and yeah. there is a bit partway through. Where I'm like, I really want to see how they wrote this because the way they do it is cannot be how exactly how they wrote it. Interesting. And you'll get there, and you'll know what I mean. And I'm not saying anything else on it because it's no. And you know, I, yeah. I'm I'm behind on my audiobooks. It's the lazy man's way of reading for me, and I have a difficult time multitasking work and listening to an audiobook. So I have to space time for audiobooks, which used to be commute time. But yeah, I, I just, I have it now. So we'll see what it's happening. All right, cool. All right, we're going to move on to video games. I believe, Uh-oh. Phil, you got yourself something, something last night. Yeah, I bought Biomutant, but guess what? It didn't drop at midnight. <laughs> Even though the game drops on the 25th of May, unlike Tyler, I wasn't lucky enough to get a physical copy. I just purchased the... um the digital copy and it didn't unlock until this morning and i have not been able to get away from work yet to play it so after this i will be watching a hockey game and at the same time playing biomutant but i did go out off of tyler's um you know somewhat skeptical review i went out and i did some research and i determined that it's probably going to be a game that i'm okay that i'm good with and the other tipper on it for me was it was $60 up front. Yep, no tax, price obviously, because it's digital. Yep. So it's not a $90 experiment at that point for me, which $60 is still a fair amount of money. But I just feel confident in what I've heard about the reviews and heard about the game where I'm like, you know what? I watched Atlanta Pierce play like an hour of it last night from Australia. So... It just all went to cement me in with, I think I did good for yeah. an open world game. Um, it seems to, I like the cobbling together of weapons. 
and I like the the actual races that are presented. They're like these cat-like hybrids that you get to play with. And there's just a whole bunch of little things that were thumbs up for me, where I'm like, I like cats. I, I dig kitties. So I'm like, you know what? I, I, I can dig a cat with an eye patch and and go through. So yeah. I'm curious to try it. I, I'm probably going to plug some hours into it. How How's your experience been, Tyler? Um, I've cooled on it. A little. Um, I have gotten further into it, and I just keep unlocking more content. And my review is now in line with, I think, a lot of other people's, where it's like, wow, they tried to do a lot in this game. Yeah. Not all of it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. tried to do a lot. Um, I think. I think most of the complaints I've seen about it are that the world is fairly sparse, and the AI is not very good. Like in terms of you don't trip across monsters as frequently as they could, that as they thought they should be, and the monsters I, don't mob; they just line up, and then you can kite them and kill them. I no. disagree with both of those. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's that was a preview code too, so I don't know what's changed. Yeah, I mean, for for me, there's like part of it is it's not just like a fighting game; it's also like you're just to explore and just to like engage in this environment. And the environment itself can be quite dangerous. Um, so it's not that you're fighting all the time that gets you. It's when all of a sudden you're stuck in a zone. That means you have a hard time limit on your time in the zone before you start taking damage all the time. Oh, okay. Um, and there's multiple of those. And then all of a sudden you'll get hit by enemies. And that's what the difficulty is. That being said, like, the if you know what you're doing, the combat isn't hard per se. Yeah, I heard that too. Um, and it's more about again, it's, it, it takes you can see it's an inspiration from Devil May Cry. Of it's like part of it's just doing combat as stylishly as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mini boss fights are regularly harder than boss fights, which is kind of weird. But I do want to end this all with so. Apparently, the company behind this has a staff of between 15 and 20 people. Wow. There you go. Like, yeah. for a video game company to be like, this good, I think that deserves something. Yeah, yeah for it's sure. THQ Nordic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a division of EA in a weird way. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Experiment 101. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I saw some confusion on the reviews about that, too. I have heard that it's a bit unbalanced in the weapons, but like you said in our chat, there's going to be an interesting day one patch, hopefully, and then there's going to be an interesting two-month patch, which may yeah. address some of the, you know, things that we find as we play through the game. But I'm excited. Like, I just like the quirkiness of the graphics and the the cuteness factor and the adventure. Like, that yeah. Breath of the Wild thing. The The reviewer I saw said exactly what you said in terms of breath of the wild devil may cry like they identified with all those games pretty strongly and they were like if you like zen like games you're gonna love this i but add also like, fable to that for yes. good and ill fable. very much because you ah. get that fork in the road right where you can choose to destroy the tree or defend the tree type thing well also the narrator and a lot of it um, speaking of, if you don't like the narrator, just turn down how much he talks. That's just that's a baked in option. A lot of people hate the narrator. I don't hate him. 
but a lot of people hate the narrator and they're like how dare this be a thing it's like just he, there's a dial for how much he talks that's funny yeah i i heard the menus are a bit messy and i saw that where they're like it feels like um yeah. the, the likening to it was it feels like in some of the menus for the game it feels like a cell phone type game and they're like and then you go into full rpg mode and they're like and you really have to review really closely some of the the augments and piece them together because they're like you know the game's not not necessarily going to hold your hand but the one recommendation that i got was go for uh charisma because it really reduces the prices of things when things get necessary to buy things never get necessary to buy just they don't said buy about halfway through the game you're gonna okay. find that guns are really really important and the guns that are sold are the things that are important and the guy was just like if you have high charisma the prices reduce massively yeah but i've heard it's a choice right okay. the part of the way around that is to grind the tribe quest mm. because that unlocks eight of the most powerful weapons of the game once you do all of them. Uh, nice so makes sense even though you know i've only watched the game I'm curious to know the playstyle and the feel and all that stuff. I will say, in one minor spoiler, and it's it's one of my favorite jokes in the game. Uh, a minor spoiler is that your main character, your hero, is just bad at swimming. He's just bad at it, and <laughs> that is part of the story. Like it's they throw him in, and like you know how like like in a lot of games, it's like you have limited stamina, and he's just flailing to be able to swim. And it's because he had a bad teacher. And that's part of the plot. Is that like he had a bad swimming teacher? He sucks yeah. at swimming. And it's a cat. I don't know if you've seen cats in water, but typically. Well, cat he doesn't have to be a cat because you can choose what he is. Oh, okay. Well, I'm yeah. going cat. cat you can shape him a lot. Mm. Yeah. And I like that about the monsters that they're imperfect. Yes. You know, there's a funness to it. I, I think that that creativity that the designers got to have with that game. And that's really cool. If you're telling me it's 15 to 20 person crew that made it, that they got to have some fun with it. So uh, it's, I'm looking forward to the experience. Yeah. I don't know how far I'll get, but it definitely with the reduced combat, it appealed to me because I'm the Mr. Casual gamer. Oh, yeah. that's the thing. I find that a lot of games nowadays are just too complicated. You know, I just want to be able to pick up a game, skip the tutorials get to stuff you know i find that a lot of games overcomplicate stuff um i'm okay with it with a complex hard system but it's not my cup of tea overall and i think you know a, a, a game like cyberpunk did a good job of kind of balancing the ex the, the mm. two extremes of just being able to pick it up and go versus a more complex system but you know mm. that's neither here nor there um, yeah, we don't want games that are an investment sometimes, and sometimes they're okay. Yeah, you know exactly. Sometimes I I do think you're right with Cyberpunk because if I found myself wanting to dive deeper, there was lots to dive on. But if I just wanted to play the game and just do the main quest or whatever, the game didn't penalize me for that, and it it didn't it wasn't unplayable. I just had to keep in mind like the biggest thing that I had trouble with was getting my freaking car back. Right, like understanding what the control was to to have the car appear in the area that you're in. After I went for a 
two hour walk or something and then just felt like I screwed up the main storyline. So Yeah. Yeah, that game was interesting in that sense. I have like I beat it way back when. So like part of me wants to play, you know, later on this year to kind of see do a, a one year after type thing, a, a retrospective of that game. But we'll see. Well, um, the PS5 version, man. Yeah, that's basically what out. I'm waiting for at this point. Um, but we'll see. Uh, so, what else? Tyler, any, any any other games? Games? I mean, I cannot stop singing the praises of Returnal, even though I've beaten it. Like, I have the itch to be like, maybe this is the game I platinum. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I we're in the process of packing stuff up here. So, yeah. like... Stuff's getting downsized and put away. Um, so it's been a lot of Kerbal Space Program because that's a game that like it's just it's just math. I don't yeah. know. It, I find it. I find just doing math calming. Sure. <laughs> it's uh, like when I build Lego, man. You just go zen. You're building Lego. Yeah. You're just boom. Oh, it, it, that's what it is. Is it's Lego, and I don't have to clean up afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. No. Uh, I still haven't officially built the Lego Tie Fighter. The reason is oh, because the, ni- the night I was going to, I may have had one or two extra drinks, and there came uh, a point where I'm like, Lego. "Nope, not gonna happen. Not gonna build Lego right now." Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. They don't mix. No, um, they don't. It's funny you say that, Tyler, because I am so close to my first platinum as well. For what? Dirt five, <laughs> whatever, so whatever works. <laughs> I don't know. It's it is like about the most fun game for me because it shows off the PS five because of the graphics totally. and the controls are built for the PS five, so it's resistance on the pedals, mm. and I can play it ten minutes at a time. Yeah, that's that's what you want. That's phenomenal. yeah, and that's it's the the class. It's so aimed at me, even though I hate half the races because I'm not the kind of guy who does drifting. I'm not the guy who likes trucks. I need a you know tight cornering mini, and then I'm happy in that game. But no, they don't do that for every option. So that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, well, I just thought it was a funny juxtaposition. Returnal and Dirt Five. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen the PS Plus games for June? No. All uh-huh. right. So, Star Wars Squadrons is one oh, of them. Fuck. I know, right? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Still haven't uh, streamed it. Operation Tango, uh, which comes out June 1st. Um, and then Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown, which was just announced today by Sega. So, those are your three that, games. That w- wasn't that a Dreamcast game? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's an older one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. 100%. I'm yep. pretty sure I played that at some point. Yep. I mean, after the move, I'll probably crack out the squadrons again. Yes. Yeah. We need to play it. Yeah. We threatened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Slime my yeah. wearing. Move on to movies and tv shows phil what have you watched uh this is the time sink for me <laughs> it's it it wasn't a healthy couple weeks because <laughs> like look netflix decided to start hitting home runs for me 
And what did they unveil? Mr. Netflix Love. is shit. I hate Netflix. Yeah, Fuck I know. Netflix. I'm walking that back every week. I have to walk that back, man. It's you know, never, you know, Microsoft still 343 Studios is still shit for Halo. But I have to walk back the Netflix thing. <laughs> Because Love. Love, Death, and Robots version, like version two, the second season, that was unbelievable for me. That was multiple watches. Really? Yeah. Like I found it not as good as the first season. I've heard people say that. And the first season had like, what, 18 episodes? Yes. And this being condensed down to six, I thought the storytelling was way more concise. Some shows, yes. Uh, some of the episodes suffered in comparison to others but that one about the population control was absolutely stellar for me that one was great and i really enjoyed the first one too it it hooked me with the with the really distorted people and the little dog and the robots turning on them oh i i didn't care for that i thought that that was hilarious and and just fun because i think it was parodying uh uh the disney kind of stuff the whole wall e thing and all that i just thought that it was a fun little message in our world of mm-hmm. ever evolving automation and you know all the other stuff was was good sci-fi entertainment and i like the animation you know again we had a horror type thing with the grass the santa one was phenomenal the santa one was a complete riff on uh yep. on they even had a call out in it to those old rudolph shows and I just loved that, even though it was, you know, pretty dark. Oh, dark. So I, I really enjoyed that diversity in mm-hmm. the content. And I thought that, you know, even the Bounty Hunter episode, to me, just struck me like a little bit of Elite of Battle Angel and yeah. a little bit of, a, you know, Mandalorian or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it had that Bounty Hunter thing. And although that one was lighter on content, I just really liked the animation again. Mm-hmm. And the other one with the with the robot dog thing that was all right. I think that was like live filmed though. It, it, but the thing is, is it, you have a tough time telling with that show. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I just really enjoyed that more than probably a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, Bad Batch has been getting me. But I also took a look at hold on, stop there. Army of the Dead. Let's talk. Hold on. Okay. Oh, Bad Batch. <laughs> Let's talk Bad Batch while we're at it. Okay. Pat, so we missed last week, so we have two episodes to quickly talk about. A lot of people kept saying that this last episode, and I don't agree with this, but one of the the themes that I'm seeing is that it was a filler episode. How dare they throw a filler episode? Didn't people say that about all of Mandalorian Season 1? Exactly. Yeah. Well, did, they they really got on it with Rebels, and then Rebels yep. completely backfired Space Whales. Yep. See, and um, I'm game space. for... Omega. I really enjoy that character. Because there's that... I don't know what about that character. You know that, you know, and, and for me, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that character plays out and the significance behind it, that character. Because you know that there's a lot going on, right? Like, you know, you had the episode, yeah. basically. Now, we're at a point where, you know, the Empire, the clones are training the new recruits. That's where we're at. You know, we're seeing the transition. We're seeing how, you know, the the Empire moves away from the clones. So I found that really interesting. There was a nice link up in the week before where I forget the name of the operation now because I had it last week and it it slipped by me. But it was a reference to one of the operations that they revealed in Rogue One. And it basically is that, that 
the clone troopers are training the stormtroopers. Um, and that was a dark episode because of that genocide or that that death squad yep. action type thing. But this week's, I you know, I'm indifferent towards Omega. And this week felt like Attack of the Clones to me. It was like a lot of space, like speeder bikes. And to be honest, I was more impressed with the type of camera work in this week's episode than I was with really the story per se. Yeah. It was the camera work and the cinematography of the shots and the way the presentation was done was really well done. And I think that I, I remarked upon that as Disney or really like Dave Filoni and, and team are just really maturing around that storytelling medium. Yeah, 100%. Tyler, are you watching this show? I am trying to, but moving plus yeah. My yeah. partner has no interest in watching it. Limits when I can watch it. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. It's when you get there, it's oh, fun. It's but it's not. There's nothing compelling to it yet. It's just setting it up. Yeah, it's really like a lot of prep. But oh, yeah, it's doing a good it. job, in my opinion. Like it's this isn't this isn't season one of Clone Wars, right? Or season two of Clone Wars. This is you know they obviously know where they want to go at the end. And they're yep. just building up to something, which is a storytelling that a way of storytelling that I really appreciate that they're doing now in the Star Wars universe, right? So I'm really loving it, and the animation just is just amazing. I'm a little bit there's people backlashing about Fennec Shan's character. Oh my gosh! And of I'm course. like, she was in The Mandalorian. She was a bounty hunter. She played an absolute you know, ruthless card in it in the first season. And then she became allegiance, like her allegiance to Boba Fett is born of the fact that Boba Fett saved her life. And that's yep. the minute that that debt is paid off, she's out of there and she's going back to like murdering people. Yep. And the fact that she was very mercurial in this episode, especially with Omega, it's just interesting to me, the development out of this week and not to ruin it for Tyler, but we're going to ruin it a little bit. It's just that the hit's out for Omega, yeah. right? Like, and it's confirmed. So Omega's got some special gift that the clones have, that the cloners have put into her, and I don't know if it's for sensitivity, but they they also don't want to tell the Empire. Yeah, that was something that came out of week three, right? Where they're like, we don't tell the Empire what she can do, mm -hmm. because it might be that this is a seed for how they grow. Uh, uh, what you call it? The, the big baddie in Force Awakens and all that. Yeah. Snoke. It, it's, it's, it might lead up to that second season of Mandalorian where we see the clones in the tank because yeah. those guys were all had Camino badges on. Yeah. And the fact that we have Camino badge, Camino literally represented in the Bad Batch means to me that this is going to be a bridge to that. Exactly. At some point. Yeah. Or at least there's going to be vestiges of it that we're going to be able to, you know, go, hey, look. Okay, we see the commonality now. Yep. So right. I think there's important storytelling happening. Yep, agreed. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. A movie that I absolutely loved. Told Phil to watch it. Oxygen on Netflix. Yep. Tyler, have well, you seen this? It's on my to-watch list. Um, another one. I feel bad for my partner under the bus. She was like, I really want to watch that. And we just have not had a time to sit down and like, yeah, do that properly, dude. Put it 
up on your list. I'm telling you right now, it's worth the it, two hours. It's like next weekend or the weekend after. Yeah, honestly, it's yeah. so good. All right, so we won't go into spoiler, spoilery spoilers, but because there isn't much you can spoil, but it's really well done, and it's a movie that keeps you guessing throughout the entire length of the movie. Um, and I don't want to say that the end is a letdown, but they could have gone in so many directions, and I'm like, that's yeah. an interesting conclusion that you guys have. But there, the that build was an up, interesting take. Yeah, but the buildup to these reveals are just so well done in this, in this like, literally, for lack of a better term, compact movie. Like, mm-hmm. she's in a pod <laughs> the entire movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're claustrophobic, this would... Now here's here's the funny thing. Boris is like, "Hey Phil, you need to watch this. This is great. This is great. This is great." I'm like, "All right. First of all, okay. So first off, we got subtitle movie. No problem. I'm I'm I got this. Mm-hmm. All right, because there really isn't a lot happening visually in the movie. So I'm like, yeah, I'm able to appreciate both at the same time here. But then I'm reminded of a time where I wasn't very um well physically." And I had to go into a chamber very similar to that. Mm-hmm. So I had PTSD all the way through this movie. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, no. The shit I, I used to have to spend, <laughs> yeah, two hours a day in that stupid hyperbaric chamber. And then here's this girl in basically a hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> I'm like, you oh. asshole. <laughs> like, I didn't even think like, about it. <laughs> It, it was it was triple creep out factor. I'm like the subject matter, the space, and then the the memories. But yeah. love it. But yeah, that was, that was something else. Really well done. Hey, a movie. I thought I thought it was okay. I'm not gonna say that it was the best movie ever, but I thought it was okay. Head jobs. Here's the thing. It's better than a lot of other movies that have come out recently. Yeah, it's yeah. better than the woman in the window. That's two hours. I'm not getting back in my life. That's a horrible one. The woman in the window. You don't need to watch it. it I f- you know what? I feel like we should give this show the subtitle of We Watch It So You Don't Have To. That's, oh. you know. Well, you see, I tracked down um, Street Gang, the story of Sesame Street. I actually finally got my eyeballs on that. And nice. I got a rousing response from my group of friends who was hosting it on his plex and they all loved it to the point some of them cried wow. like for tears and nostalgia and they were all shocked to crap because the buzz started in the chat and then the next thing you know they're all on board and uh, HBO did a really great job of that documentary so nice. and it's not an all Jim Henson it's not what you think it is it is not at all what you think it is very nice. So I would say that that's very, very worth your time. Um, fractured, stupid movie, but it's one of those like suspense thrillers type stuff. Um, Polaroid, stupid horror. You don't need to watch it. Um, but that's like really the big stuff. Like I've been doing a lot more catch up. Uh, I want to finish Castlevania. I've heard mm-hmm. good things. I yeah. have a show people need to watch. What's that? Great North. Great North. Yeah, so it's by the same... It's by the same... I think they're sisters who made Bob's Burgers. No. 
It oh, stars yeah. Nick Offerman, Jenny Slate, um, yeah. and it, like a, a bananas cast. The pitch is basically it's a family in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And it's oh, like it's kind of like Bob's Burgers. If the family never really fought. Yeah. And it's just they just finished their like this finished season one last week. It's already been signed for three seasons. What's it what's it playing on? I what is it? What is it playing on? Great North. At least we have the title now. So uh, I I'm Nick Offerman is like a god. He's de- he's delightful in it. So for for context, it has a 100% at Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. You see, like Nick Offerman, like honestly, you think you know the guy because of Parks and Rec or something. It, it, that's just a comedy bit, right? Yeah. It's, yeah it's the Fox. actual guy, when you read his books, yeah. is just like phenomenally well-spoken. Yes. He's like, he's classically trained as a Shakespearean actor, actually. Yeah. So yeah, his, his character, whose name is Beef Tobin. <laughs> Is like a cross between who Nick Offerman really is and his character from Parks and Rec. That's yeah. funny. Which is pretty much Nick. So but... it's on Fox, for the record. Yes, it's part Fox of it. Yeah. And City TV. Yeah. Nice. I'm gonna but yeah. Down. Um, I watched Army of the Dead. Yes. Oh, Are the new one? Is at yeah. all interested in it? I watched it. Because... Oh. I... <laughs> I am interested in my continuing curiosity about why people give Zack Snyder money. <laughs> because, no, like, this is separately. Like, even if you like Zack Snyder, just from a data standpoint, he is actually one of the worst directors for getting a return on your investment. Yep. Yeah. He, he does more poorly than almost every other director. Well... All I can say is he spent a lot of money on this movie. Yeah, he, yeah, he spent a lot of money on this movie through the cast. Um, well, through the I, change, I right? Was, like Chris Delia, yeah. was deleted from the movie. Yeah, and they superimposed somebody else over her in certain scenes. It was Tignataro. Like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was crazy. Tignataro, who, funny enough, Dave Batista said he's a big fan and has yep. still never met her because yep. even though she technically co-stars. Yep. <laughs> Oh, God. this movie. Like, this movie has interesting concepts. But if you watch the Snyder Cut, I honestly feel like he, everything he would... I feel like he was editing the movies at the same time. Like, yeah. Phil, yeah. think about this. The way that it started, the way that it built up, you know, then you have the main part of the movie, then the way that everything goes off. Even the... They, it even has an epilogue, for Christ's sake, similar to... There's... There's a part in which they focus in on Zeus. I think it's Zeus. Yeah. And it's exactly the reverse focus job that they did on Jared Leto in the Snyder Cut. And the thing is, is that somebody noticed it, asked Zack Snyder, and Zack Snyder said, yeah, I use the same lens. Like, Yeah. (laughs) There's a whole controversy about that lens. The Canon (laughs) 0.95 F0.95, 50 millimeters. It, there's a huge controversy about that lens now and how Did it y'all... possibly had a dead pixel. Sure, why not? Did y'all hear that he wants to start a zombie cinematic universe? Yeah, they, they get this. Like, Netflix already have a prequel planned. Yeah. For this movie. They're going to have a rom-com and... spinoff? 
And they're oh good. God. They're going to have a cartoon. I'm not shocked. So get this, though, because if you rewatch the movie, Boris, and when you watch it, Tyler, you're going to mm-hmm. notice a blue glow in the zombies. Sure. Yep. All right. Well, it's because some of them and, are cyborgs. Yeah, because yep. some of them are robots. All right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, I know. Okay, so one of the things that happens in the movie is they get down into the into the the area where they're going to do the vault. Yeah. And their characters are already dead in front of them. Yep. Yeah. And they acknowledge this. Yeah. And they don't really, hey, maybe we're stuck in a time loop. Oh, the fuck? Open the safe. But it was, <laughs> there's more to it. There's more to it than that. But yes, that's that's. Is it, there? That is yes, there? Because it's Zack Snyder. <laughs> Like, oh, there was Lord. so much that I came out of this movie and thought, that was a good action movie. And then I start doing my deep dive, and I'm like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> it's it's not internally cohesive. Like, I know a bunch about it. I know that they have, like, dried-out zombies that allegedly come back if they get wet, and they, like, foreshadow that and then never touch it again. Oh, God. I know, because they're building a it universe. Was... Come on. Oh, my God. And the I Omega becomes the before. only alpha. Oh. Yeah. I, I know I've asked this before, but what's that thing in in storytelling? Chekhov's gun. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Zack Snyder was like, he looked at the thing of like theory of like the Kuloshov effect and Chekhov's gun. And he was like, I don't need any of that shit. Yep. Readings for eggheads. Zack Snyder, 2021. Yep. Oh, this is going to be so fun to see. Because Netflix are just going to throw money at this if they get eyeballs on it, right? They're just going to be like, yeah, we'll we'll do the zombie universe. They have. Yeah. Well, they've won. We're talking about it. Dave Bautista. Like, that cast and everything. It's tough, man, to stay away from that. Yep. Because as much as, like, as much as I hate to say it, you and your damn wrestling stuff, Boris, I've now noticed I'm way more sensitive to those ex wrestlers being in movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm becoming fans of them. Why? Movies. Why would you do such a thing? They they do have a charisma, man. They do have, and it's interesting when you do a deep dive on their backstory and all the troubles that Dave had in his life mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he just becomes a more endearing person, right? And, you know, it's just interesting to me that these bloody walls of muscle have such smushy, soft hearts. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Phil. Prequel Army of Thieves is a rom com. Army I, of I, Thieves. I don't yeah, but isn't that the one with Dieter? The the safe cracker? The prequel? Is that the prequel that they're planning? Yes. Alright, so the guy who plays the safe cracker, Dieter, is the guy who directs it, stars in it, and I'm not sure if he writes it. But... Well but, but then the cartoon is also the prequel. Oh yeah. my god. Well, because you gotta just prequel the crap out of something. And it's caused by aliens. Yes. There's yeah. a hint for that in the opening scene because there's two UFOs over Area 51 as they extract the Alpha in the bin, like which is Zeus. And you know, there's a whole bunch of really heavy-handed crap because where does Zeus set up his shop? At the Olympus. Like, I'm just like, come on, Zach. Really? I will give no. it. In the one hour, 30 minute mark or so. They do shit on Trump without mentioning his name once. Yes. Yes, they do. 
Well, and there was indirect plot shots the whole time. Let's yeah. nuke Vegas on July the 4th. Whose idea do you think that was? Yeah. <laughs> there was parts where I was literally laughing out loud at the corniness of it and lapping it up. But then there's parts where it's after you digest it and you cringe a little bit. And it's like, oh. It's peak that, like, you know. Snyder. Like, I don't know how else to explain this. Yeah. It's oh, he has a go at Yoss Whedon in it too. Yeah. There's, a, there's a shot where they do the Avengers rollout and then they ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> it it's also subtle. It, you know, it's it's we'd have to do like this detailed breakdown, and I don't think I have the stomach to watch all of that in its context again. But yeah, give it a watch, Tyler. You'll uh <laughs> You'll have a, a holiday with that one. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for the chat on that one. All right, guys. Well, that- let us know when we're doing it, because I'll rewatch that pile of crap. So, well, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say it's pile of crap, but, you know, oh, I'll critically Lord. watch it. Well, you can let us know what you thought, and Phil can tell you how you can do that. Yep. You know where to hit us up because we need to hear from you about some of this stuff because we might be right out in left field. But you can hit us up on our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You're going to find us. Obviously, you found us already, so tell your friends. And uh, make sure to get them to subscribe and uh, leave a rate and review if the platform permits it. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for the feedback. Um, let us know what you think of these episodes. You know, if there's anything you want us to go into more detail of, we will. Um, but, you know, I kind of just want to leave this somewhat open. I kind of like the open nature of it. Um, but with that said, it we are the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything because it's all in canon he's phil he's tyler i'm boris good night welcome back tyler hey